Marshall slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back, Zadonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Tampa Bay Lightning trying to avoid being uh, on the receiving end of back-to-back losses for the first time since 2019. That's in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They've uh, gone 17-0 when facing, uh, uh, coming off a defeat. That's incredible. And they will try to keep that streak intact and uh, win for the 18th time tonight against the New York Rangers. We'll get into game two on that front. Plus news and notes from around the National Hockey League in our one-timer segment brought to you by Paul Powell Law. Uh, We are going to uh, bring you up to date on a couple of uh, little goofy things in the National Hockey League. Players getting testy with one another. And then we'll also uh, dive into some uh, player transaction news. The Carolina Hurricanes are very top of mind. Uh, this week, uh, going through their uh, end-of-year media availability. And uh, we'll also update you on the gold, uh, the coaching front in the National Hockey League with all the vacancies. But uh, getting set for Game 2 between the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, I didn't expect 6-2 the other night. Uh, It was a much more controlled offensive performance in the West when they had a chance to take a breath than their opener. What do you think happens in game two between the Rangers and the Lightning tonight? Uh, I would I would argue it's going to be low scoring. I, I think that we're we're looking at three two, maybe four two with an empty net goal uh, or something to that nature, that effect. I, I don't think that the Rangers are going to be able to execute the way that they did in game number one, and I don't imagine that the the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to give them very much going into game number two. So I, I think we're, we're up for a, a low-scoring game, and I would be shocked. I would be shocked if the Rangers are able to get two on the Tampa Bay Lightning to start this series. There's a, a opinion out there that the New York Rangers were targeting the blocker side of Andre Vasilevsky because they went there a few times. Mm-hmm. Was that just circumstance or do you think that there may be something there uh i think kind of circumstance um i i I mean i i'll be interested to see where the the shot selection is for the rangers going into this game but uh, i think the fact that they were able to find the back of the net you start to look at it and say well why did andre vasilevsky look somewhat human in that game um i think it's more circumstance than anything else I, i i think that you see an opening, you take the shot, and the Rangers were able to find the back of the net with regularity in game one. The Rangers looked fast in the opener. And, in fact, uh, when they've been going good, uh, they've looked a lot faster than I remember them during the regular season. Uh, they, they they can transition, but when you put them up against uh, Carolina and they look fast, Carolina's a quick team getting up and down the ice, and, and we know what Tampa is. Uh, that's been a revelation so far in these playoffs. Yeah, I think that 
they're they're kind of coming into their own right at the right time. I, I think we talk about teams peaking at the right time, and I think the Rangers over the course of the last four or five games or so have kind of hit their stride and they've found another gear. And, you know, it, it's all about, you know, adding layers and getting better as the, the playoffs wear on. And I would argue that the Rangers today are much better than they were games one, two, three, four of the, the beginning of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, the the Connor McDavid factor for Edmonton going home is going to be a big focus. Does he respond and put Edmonton on his shoulders and get them back in the series? Uh, tough to bet against uh, the best player in the world when he's really motivated. Uh, I think you can say the same thing about Nikita Kucherov tonight. Uh, I think Steven Stamkos has been great so far in this mm-hmm. uh, in this playoffs. I- I'm waiting for Kucherov to grab the reins. Yeah, I, I mean, he's got some points, right? But yeah. I don't think that he's been the difference maker we've seen Nikita Kucherov be. I, I think that he was... To me, looked he he looked a bit frustrated in game number one, which is weird because it's game one of of a conference final. Like you're not going to win the series in game one, you're not going to lose a series in game one. So that was a little bit uncharacteristic for for Kucherov. But I disagree with you. I think that you're going to need another gear out of him, especially if Braden Point's not an option for the the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like they're going to have to rely on their difference makers to be just that. And Kucherov has been fine, but he has not been at the same level we expect Nikita Kucherov to be. Well, he's been fine. You're right. And he's actually tops them in points, but Mm -hmm. only has the four goals into the, into the third round in, in a, in a playoff where, People are just filling the net. And mm-hmm. keep in mind, Kucherov also was the leading scorer topping everybody in the Lightning's back-to-back championship years uh, in consecutive seasons. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it's kind of you know the same principle, like perfectly fine, but not to the level we expect of Nikita Kucherov. So is there another gear for him? Absolutely. Does he need to get there sooner than later? Sooner than later. Because again, you know, you you take Braden Point out of the equation for Tampa, you're going to need to kind of replace that production. And, And the best ways that you can do that is to just have Nikita Kucherov go absolutely bananas. And you know, he's capable of it. You know that by the end of the, of the night tonight, Nikita Kucherov could have five points, and we're sitting here looking really foolish for having this conversation. But the fact of the matter is, he has not done that yet so far in this playoff run. There was a really entertaining kerfuffle at the end of Game 1. And you had the mm-hmm. two tough guys in Reeves and Maroon involved. You had Cal yep. Foot throwing jabs all over the place. Uh, the linesmen were being pinned between players as they, as they fell down. I want to say one thing. Uh, Maroon helped protect the uh, the linesmen a little bit in, in that and, and made sure that uh, the the official uh, wasn't in a, in a awkward spot uh, when they went down. But but it, 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 went, it wasn't ugly, but it was on the verge of being uh, out of control. Do you think any of that spills over? Because last night... Last night was much more physical between the Oilers and the Avalanche on the opener. I would expect the game to be a bit more physical. I don't know that we're going to see kind of a continuation of that scrum. Like, I I think Pat Maroon's going to finish his checks. I think Corey Perry's going to try to be agitating. I I don't expect 
that the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't going to try to, you know, mix things up and, and have the scrums. But I don't think that we're going to see any type of full-blown kerfuffle in this game because, you know, I, I think the, the more important thing for Tampa is to find a, a way to get a, a split here against the New York Rangers. So I, unless the game gets out of hand, I don't know that it's going to get to extracurricular uh, situations, but I do think that there'll be a, a pushback physically from the Tampa Bay Lightning for sure. It is interesting that these are two teams that do carry guys who like to play that role. And Maroon is going for a fourth straight Stanley Cup, and he, he sure. plays more th- than Reeves. But the Rangers have kept Reeves in the lineup and uh, certainly uh, leaned on him in the Max Domi exchange in in the second round, and he becomes even more valuable in, in the third round in this Eastern Conference uh, final because of Patrick Maroon. So when you have them, do you use them? Do they do what they're there to do, or are they just there to offset the other guy? Um, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't like. I, I don't. I don't know either because what what is Ryan Reeves supposed to do? He's supposed to have a little bit of energy in his game. He's supposed to get in on the floor check, and he's supposed to finish hits. Like I don't think that you're looking at Ryan Reeves and wanting him to fight in this series. Like it, it, I don't expect he'll lose a fight, but the, the idea of Ryan Reeves going out there, having a fight with Pat Maroon and losing and that firing up Tampa. I, I don't know that you want to play with that. So I, I, I think that Reeves has been um, as impactful as he's going to be within the role that he's got right now with the Rangers. And that is to be a presence that is to be irritating to play against. That is to finish checks, but, unless he's putting the puck in the back of the net, which he has not done to this point, it's advantage Tampa. And I don't know that you want to ruffle that or, or skew that anymore to the, to the lightning's advantage by having him potentially lose a fight and gaining some momentum off of the back of that. One, one great thing about Reeves is he doesn't take a lot of penalties. Uh, that's, that's really no. advantageous uh, for, for his role. And we watched that uh, here in Vegas for, uh, for a number of years. Uh, Maroon has to be careful because if you take a penalty and put the Rangers on the man advantage, you are playing with fire right now. Yeah, their their power play is ridiculous, and you know it, it, you get an idea of of how good they are. You've got Zabanajad in the one timer. You've got Panarin kind of misdirection, his ability to put to put the puck in the back of the net too, but also how he uses himself as a decoy often. Uh, their puck movement's fantastic. They try different types of plays, and it's not as predictable as you'd expect it to be. But then when they decide to be predictable, like when, when you look at the sixth goal of the game in game number one, everyone in the world knew that they were going to keep going back to Mika Zibanejad until that puck went in the back of the net, and there was no answer for it. So the way they're moving it around, the confidence that they have on the man advantage, uh, you can't give them too many opportunities within a game. Who wins tonight? <laughs> um, again, I, I, there's, there's part of me, there's a part of me that feels like the Rangers are going to win tonight. But then there's another part of me that says you can't beat the Lightning two games in a row unless you're going to win the series on that second game. So um, as much as I don't want to believe it, I think that the the Lightning are going to do it again. I think they're going to find a way uh, to win after a loss, and I think they're going to get the split 
in New York, and I think it's going to be up to the Rangers to do the same thing in Tampa and find a way at some point here to beat this team twice in a row. Yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't think Tampa Bay is uh, has any sense of urgency at all. Uh, they've been through all kinds of situations. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a comfortable situation. Uh, Vasilevsky, by the way. Did work with uh, with Fran Jean, the uh, the goalie coach for uh, the Bolts uh, earlier, and but didn't didn't stay out uh, with the with the main group uh, yesterday. Uh, so I uh, served himself, maybe fine tuning a little bit. Uh, nobody uh, held a, held a morning skate uh, in anticipation or ahead of uh, game number two. So there's no uh, late breaking news uh, coming out uh, from from that front. Uh, so we'll we'll wait as they get underway and see what develops uh, in game two between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the the New York Rangers. It, it'll be fun. I think uh, there's some intrigue here because the Rangers are trying to uh, stop this streak uh, of the Tampa Bay Lightning. But there's some other news to to come out, and we have some uh, developing story. And congratulations to uh, Corey Perry, who has just been awarded the uh, the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy for perseverance and dedication to, to hockey. It was a... Um, Unexpected year uh, from from Carey Price. Certainly not what the Montreal expected uh, as far as uh, the appearances by their franchise goaltender. And I I was one of those people who started to wonder whether or not we were going to see Carey Price at all this season, which would have led into speculation whether or not we were going to see him again. And uh, we did uh, at the end of the year. It wasn't vintage Carey Price, but uh, but he's honored with the with the Masters Trophy. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you look at kind of everyone's story and everyone's reason for becoming a a Masterton finalist, and I think that, you know, in any direction, whichever way you go, um, there's there's a deserving candidate from every single team, and I think that that goes without saying, and that's something that we should kind of uh, keep in the forefront of our minds when it comes to this trophy in particular. But in in regards to Carey Price, I, I mean, it was one of those situations where you go from the ultimate high of, getting to a, a Stanley Cup final and then all the questions kind of surrounding the, the, the ability to get back and play and, and, you know, going through a lot of things away from the game that, that had to be addressed, that had to be front of, of focus for Carey Price and his family. Um, and then the ability to get back into a game and, and, and to, to kind of go through all of that adversity and do it the right way and still get back to your teammates this year like that. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal story. And I I wish nothing but the best for Carey Price as, as we kind of go into next season. And, and the hope, right, I think, is that we see Carey Price in-game action at some point there next season too. What, what a journey. I had uh, knee surgery last summer coming off uh, the trip mm-hmm. to the Stanley Cup final and then was uh, was uh, behind uh, physically getting ready for the season, then entered the player assistance program and was uh, outside the organization, away from the team uh, for a while, and then had a setback when it came to the knee and had to get uh, a couple of more opinions from doctors and basically started his rehabilitation of the knee injury all over again and didn't start playing again until late in the season. And the record, I mean, the record wasn't what he wanted to be. Uh, only had one win uh, last season. But uh, he he joined the team. He gave them uh, a bit of a boost psychologically and uh, also uh, joined the team and played a little bit under new head coach uh, Martin St. Louis, which is intri- interesting because 
he would have played against Martin St. Louis. Uh, <laughs> Carey Price has been around for 50. He's the all-time leader in games played and wins by the Montreal Canadiens as a goaltender, and we know uh, about their goaltending uh, history. Uh, but I, I, I think that uh, for Martin St. Louis to have some success, he's really crossing his fingers that uh, that Carey Price is going to be able to bounce back. Now, at the when he did play last year, guys, there is some swelling, some reported swelling in and around the knee, uh, uh, his appearances, and they're, they're not done fine-tuning whatever is bothering that that joint and it's still i they still have to decide whether carrie price is going to be able to play uh at the level that uh, that they and carrie expects it to be and i don't think it's a slam dunk as i reported earlier this week uh the montreal canadians are still waiting to see and get some direction from from Kerry and the the medical staff regarding this the status of the knee the draft isn't in Montreal isn't the big date but the start of free agency is because if Kerry can't go and that 10 million dollars of salary goes on LTIR and he's forced to take a step back heaven forbid uh, that he's not uh, able to continue they're going to need a goaltender because uh, Jake mm-hmm. Allen's good uh, but they're going to need somebody to help out Jake Allen and, and contribute because uh, when he was out uh, injured last year, uh, they were really up against it. So uh, I, I think Montreal, with all these free agent goaltenders that are out there, are going to be a player uh, or could certainly be a player uh, on the goaltending front. Yeah, you're, you're, you, know, you bring up a lot of interesting points, and, and again, it goes back to hopefully – carries able to get back and play next season if that's not the case if it's if it's not possible isn't going to happen then i would imagine that the montreal Canadiens are going to look at their options as you mentioned jake allen is is perfectly fine but you're going to need more beyond jake allen in in case of injury or just to kind of build a, a tandem that you can go into a season knowing you're going to get some solid goaltending. So I, I think that they'd absolutely be in the market for a goalie if Carey Price is going to be unable to play come next season. Remember the year that uh, it was a, a suspect or less than impressive preseason, and then they got up to a bit of a start. Uh, I don't know whether it was the regular season or not or whether it was still the preseason. And there's a lot of... Uh, controversy around the Montreal Canadiens and then and then Carey Price as well and he stood in front of his locker probably 40 members of the media uh, French and English in front of him and he just told people hey chill out chill out I'll be fine and he was he was great uh, I, I really uh, like being uh, in around Carey Price and all my interactions uh, with him. Uh, awesome dude. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. And I've got one for you that is right in the wheelhouse of getting Ryan Wallace all hot and bothered as it goes down the same path of Jordan Bennington and tossing a water bottle at Nazem Kadri. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Well, we talked about game two between the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. A couple of storylines around it. Oh, one, Reeves and Maroon. 
that's had an impact. Kucherov being better, that's been impactful. And Andre Vasilevsky's rebound from a loss in the opener, that has been evident. Uh, let's go to Maroon and Reeves early on, Ryan. Yeah, so off of, uh, I think it was probably two and a half minutes into the game, Sunrise face-off, Ryan Reeves, Pat Maroon. They're going back and forth. They're going at it. Uh, and they're warned by the refs. No idea what was said, but they were warned before the puck was dropped. Puck was dropped. Both guys are tangled up. They only take Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves gets a penalty for slashing against Pat Maroon. And about uh, six seconds into the ensuing power play for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Kiyu Kucherov scores to make it 1-0. Um, I think you can make the argument that there should not have been a power play awarded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Both guys were equally involved in the, I don't even want to call it a kerfuffle, but the the scrum, so to speak. Yep. Uh, yet, Ryan Reeves, it's an undisciplined play. If you're not going to fight, don't engage. He engaged, and it's now one nothing Tampa. Yeah, I think the Rangers got a beef here, but the officials have told the coaches and the series supervisor, mm -hmm. you guys want to goof around like this? We're, we're putting somebody in the power play. It's not going to be uh, offsetting minors and go and cool your jets, and we're going to be dealing with this all night long. It's one or the other, and you're going to take your chances. And that's what happened there and went, went against the New York Rangers. Steven Stamkos won the draw on the power play goal. Kucherov took the shot. They're giving it to Corey Perry uh, initially, but I, I think it was Kucherov's goal. It went off on a New York Ranger uh, deflected in behind Igor Shesterkin, and, and that's great. And then the Rangers came back and had an awesome opportunity under Andre Vasilevsky, and he just, guys, just got his pad on it and kept it underneath him, or else that one squibs through. So the early breaks going all in favor of the two-time defending and reigning Stanley Cup champions. The, the ESPN feed had an interesting stat on Andre Vasilevsky and his, uh, his dominance throughout this postseason run, but apparently Vasilevsky has not given up a five-hole goal all playoffs long. So nothing has been able to, nothing has gotten through Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, it was a great opportunity, great chance for uh, Artemi Panarin, but, you know, a heck of a back check from Victor Hedman. And, you know, fact of the matter is, Tampa Bay, they, they've, know how to win these types of games they really do why why didn't panarin just go for the blocker side then because everybody was up in arms i don't okay, know I'm maybe cheeky with that maybe because it was maybe maybe oh. it was circumstance and not intentional i right? don't uh, i don't like it so uh we'll keep you up to date on game two between the rangers and the tampa Bay lightning playoff hockey uh, the first round is awesome. Usually uh, people take a breath and there's like, oh, there's a letdown after uh, after the first round. Not this year. And it's uh, it's carried over right on through uh, to the third uh, to the third round. I want to tell you about uh, a little bit of uh, shenanigans last night in the Western Conference Final. Ryan Wallace is livid with the attention given to Jordan Binnington over his water bottle toss at Nazem Kadri during that's, round two and uh, calling that's it a ridiculous. Representation of the truth. And it didn't have any impact, and it was during a live interview for Nazem Kadri. It bothered you. You, you. you didn't like it, but I've got a follow-up to you. It, it, was, it was stupid. Yeah, I've got a follow-up. It was dumb. Last night, uh, the Avalanche were playing against uh, the Oilers and won, and... 
Bo Byron was was hit into the uh, Oilers bench, and Zach Cassian put his hand on Byron's helmet and then took his stick. Mm-hmm. And Cassian uh, and and Byron both got penalties. I don't know what what Bo got the penalty for. Uh, to be honest, they got offsetting of minors. But today, Zach Cassian fined. The maximum allowed under the CBA, $2,500 for unsportsmanlike conduct. Mm-hmm. Are you happy? Uh-huh. I mean, I like, again, I, I don't know that it's the same type of situation. It's it's stupid. Like, it was it was dumb for Zach Cassian to do that. And, you know, the, that fine will really show him. I'm sure he'll never do anything like that again. But yeah. um, at, at least that has an impact on the game in some way. Like, uh, Jordan Binnington throwing a water bottle after a game and in a series that he's not going to play another game in uh, doesn't do much for me in terms of having an impact. Uh, Zach Cassian being ridiculous and and doing that, at, at least that's within the context of a game and, and not Jordan Binnington throwing a temper tantrum. I, I don't think Cassian to to do that. Like, Byron gets hit into him uh, on the bench. It's one of those things where you just can't help yourself. <laughs> the opposition's right yeah. in front of you, hit into your bench, and you're going to give him a little shot and then steal a stick. Ah. Again, I would probably do the exact same thing, given the situation. Like, it's gamesmanship. Yeah, Well, yeah, it is. It's gamesmanship within a game, not after the fact and, you know, given ridiculously stupid reasons for why you did it. So uh, I don't view those as being equal or the same at all. I think that Zach Cassian had an opportunity. It was right there in front of him, um, God-given or not, I suppose. And uh, it was a reactionary thing, not something that he thought about over the course of two hours while he was thinking about how can I get back at Nazem Kadri. Oh, that's right. I'm going to throw a water bottle at him because I'm a child. See what I did there, Chapman? Yeah, yeah. You you know how to twist the screws a little bit. Got fired oh, up. Oh, I'm not. Like, you, you guys, you guys think that I'm fired up about this. Like, listen, anyone that thinks Jordan Bennington doesn't come across as a petulant child I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm not like super angry about I it. I just nervous? think that we're, I just think that we're giving way too much attention to somebody that doesn't deserve or require the attention. Hey, uh, Tempe City Council, Tempe, Arizona, uh, air home of the Arizona Coyotes for the next three years at uh, ASU. Uh, Tempe City Council has agreed to work with the Arizona Coyotes towards a, a new building in that city. And hopefully a brand new structure that will house the Arizona Coyotes uh, for a long time. Arizona Coyotes have uh, been kicked out of uh, Glendale and Healy River Arena. That uh, lease has been uh, severed. So for the next three years, maybe more, uh, the Arizona Coyotes are going to play on the campus of Arizona State University in a new 4,200-seat facility as they hopefully, fingers crossed, build a brand new uh regulation size, I guess you could call it, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, NHL arena in Tempe. Uh, this is uh, this is best-case scenario. This is positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, we'll see how it goes and how it progresses from there, but yeah. it, is, it is good that the, the city of Tempe wants to at least work with the Coyotes on trying to get a new building in place and trying to 
uh, be a permanent home for what would it be? Would it be the Tempe Coyotes? No, it's going to be Arizona still. The name there? I believe it's still uh, going to be uh, Arizona. Uh, here's here's the thing with uh, with Tempe. The National Hockey League has, and the Arizona Coyotes, but the National Hockey League has pledged, if City Council works through this process and they get a building done, the NHL has pledged there'll be a 30-year non-relocation agreement in it. The Coyotes won't go for 30 years. If they haven't moved already, they ain't going anywhere. Yeah, it might as well be a 50-year or a 100-year or just throw a 1,000 years down there. Like it, it, Again, as you mentioned, if, if everything that's happened over the last 10 years hasn't pushed the needle to the Coyotes moving from Arizona, then surely nothing will. Uh, the coaching carousel has yet to start in earnest. There's lots of openings, but we haven't had that big hire. Mm-hmm. Barry Trotz is uh, thinking things over. But uh, a couple of names have, have surfaced. Uh, one, um, Pierre Lebron uh, wrote an article in The Athletic. Uh, Elaine Vigneault of the Philadelphia Flyers most recently. There's some speculation that he may be ready to retire. He'll be uh, 63 when his current contract with the Flyers, because he still gets paid until the end of his contract. Uh, he gets paid to the end of 2024. Uh, so this next year and then another year. Uh, there's some speculation that he may be done. Uh, I haven't heard a lot about his name, but it's been mentioned. That would be a significant name out of the mix. A name that we've heard as well that was brought up in this article that is from left field is Guy Boucher. Now, people are wondering, hmm. who's Guy Boucher? I haven't, I haven't heard him. If you haven't heard of Guy Boucher, uh, his first job in the National Hockey League was the, with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then he had a second opportunity with the Ottawa Senators. He's a uh, Let's just call it that. He's very intense. <laughs> Extremely intense. What Guy Boucher is, though, is a quick fix. As soon as he takes over a team, there's a bump with his strategy uh-huh. it's not a long-term thing like when 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 they say coaches have a shelf life Guy Boucher's sure. picture might be beside that uh, explanation uh, mm-hmm. but I I hadn't heard Guy Boucher's name at all until this interview and I don't know whether it's somebody whispering to Pierre hey give him a bump give him a nudge drop him drop his name yeah. or whether this is legitimate. What's your perception of Guy Boucher's name surfacing? Um, I think in the right context for the right team, it it could be a the right dosage, so to speak. Uh, I think it's a plant more than anything. I think it's a hey, I want to coach again. Get my name out there. Yeah, Maybe I agree. Something will stick. I, I don't think that it's kind of on the radar of teams. I, like, I don't think his strategy and, and his structure is kind of the way of, of the game today. And maybe that like that's not to say that he hasn't updated kind of how he wants to coach or what he would implement as a coach. But I think that the game is, is in a different spot for Guy Boucher to be effective. So I think that this is more, let's get my name out there. Maybe I can find myself in the right situation. Uh, more so than it seems like a serious candidate. Now, he coached Mark Stone, right? He was the coach of the Senators when Stone was there? Yep. 
And I think he took him to an Eastern Conference final. He he gets results, but there's not – it grinds on players. That's that's the issue there. And he's very, very intense. Uh, what One of the great – it's it's probably the – the calling card of his career, uh, and and that's unfair. But remember, Guy Boucher, when he was the, the Tampa Bay Lightning coach, had had this bizarre in-game showdown, and I think it was against the uh, the the Philadelphia Flyers, where <laughs> the one team wouldn't forecheck and the other team wouldn't break it out, yeah. so they just stood yeah. uh, on opposite mm-hmm. sides, and like nothing mm-hmm. happened. There was the the puck wasn't yeah. moving, and. It, it was bizarre, and the the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know at the time, were, were like the the organization uh, as a whole were not happy about that, how that reflected on them, and uh, it's it's not fair that uh, that that follows them around. But it's also part of the history of Guy Boucher. He 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 can draw a line in the sand, and you don't cross it. Yeah, I I don't know that. Again, as I mentioned, like I don't know how much that's going to work today, and it's not to suggest that he hasn't grown as a coach. It's not to suggest that there aren't things he would implement that would have a little bit more flexibility to it. But um, you know, I, I think that there's real merit in in players today needing to have, you know, the the ability to to create and be, um, you know, a little bit not tied to absolutes and oh no he's that's his issue is he's structured beyond belief yeah Yeah. and that's and that's the thing like that that is something that that there's an appetite for Mm. not from you know you 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 bring up that that infamous game you bring up the fact that it was you know the philadelphia flyers trying to show up the tampa bay lightning for not playing hockey but only playing within a certain structure and if things do not progress as they're supposed to the tampa bay lightning didn't do anything they wouldn't do anything they refused to do anything and so when you are that rigid in what your expectations are and you don't show a desire or or movement in the opposite direction i don't know how much that actually is going to translate in today's game with today's players i think you're like Guy boucher you're very structured you're not as structured but you're very structured. I'm more freewheeling. Mm-hmm. Happy-go-lucky. Uh, Winnipeg not yeah. looking to deal Mark Shifley. Uh, we all wondered what was going to happen because of the comments from Mark right. Shifley uh, wanted to know uh, at the year-end uh, media availability, where's the team headed? And then it got quiet. Mm-hmm. There was nothing for the longest time. Yep. Uh, Kevin Shovelday, the general manager, got an extension, uh, rebuffed uh, any uh, concern about Mark Shifley going anywhere. And just said uh, it was an emotional statement, and and he says that uh, Mark Shively is going to be just fine. He's got uh, I think two years left on his contract. What a value too at just over six million dollars. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I think that Mark Shively's probably going to be a Winnipeg Jet next year. But if you were looking to deal him and you wanted to try to maximize value, maybe you you don't come out and say that this is an asset you're you're looking to move. Um, that all being said, I, like, what's the over/under on like ability to play defense for Mark Shifley next year? Uh, is is he ever going to buy into pe- to playing defense or no? Well, there's there's two areas. Like that, that's that's a question 
and then there's a sub question. What what are the chances Mark Shifley is going to play defense? What's and then the sub question is, what are the chances Mark Shifley wants to play defense? Like wants to defend? Well, it, it, I, I, part of me thinks he's got well, he's a very talented player, so he's got to be have the ability to. I think it's more of a, well, he, the, he the big can, question around him is is it. whether he he wants to engage at all. <laughs> he can do it. He just doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. And so, like that brings up my obvious my obvious question because you you've mentioned a couple of times that you're looking at potentially Barry Trotz, right? Like there are reasons to believe yeah, they're that all in on Winnipeg Barry. is high high on Barry Trotz. Can Mark Shifley? play within what Barry wants him to do defensively. That's Not why you're bringing in Barry. A, a, but if there's an unwillingness from the player, how do you how do you bridge that gap? Well, that that's the that's like, the uh chicken or the egg uh theory that we have right now. Yeah. What what comes first? Yeah. But I I think it's the ultimate if if Barry doesn't work, then we're moving on. <laughs> it's the last yeah. chance at the OK Corral uh, to play defense. Uh, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes have some decisions to make. Tony D'Angelo, uh, rehabilitation for his career after being uh, bought up by the New York Rangers, uh, played for $1 million, was very good, was a uh, uh, model citizen from all regards, but his contract's up. Mm-hmm. Does he give the Carolina Hurricanes a break on a contract? Like, it, it's sort of like the the cadre, the the cane, like like trying to make sure that your best foot is forward. And D'Angelo did that, didn't win, but I wonder what his contract is going forward. Is seven million dollars a hometown discount? Six million dollars? I you know I I think that. Tony D'Angelo's probably not going to be giving any hometown discounts. And, you know, I think that a really good fit for him. I know that they've got some questions regarding players they are going to come, that, that they want to bring back, all that. Um, I think Tony D'Angelo's out there trying to, to hit on another contract, and I don't necessarily blame him for doing that, considering how the last two seasons have kind of unfolded for him. So, um I say make your money. I wouldn't give out hometown discounts. I think you're you're talented enough to make it work anywhere. Where's the loyalty? Uh, Anti Ranta told you the other day that Frederick to a team Anderson played for for one year. Well, they gave There's they no gave loyalty. Come on, they gave him the chance. They brought him back in. Uh, Frederick Anderson had the MCL uh, issue uh, with uh, with mm-hmm. the Carolina Hurricanes. He didn't play at all in the playoffs. Now we find out that Anti Ranta, yep. who got hurt in Game Seven against the Rangers, also. Uh, is going to have to uh, fix his MCL. Oh, brutal. Keeps on coming. Uh, One more. Uh, Jake Gardner uh, is cleared to play. 31-year-old had hip and back surgery. $4.05 million on the salary cap uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes. (laughs) I I think part of me thinks that Carolina was hopeful that, that they wouldn't have to deal with his salary coming back in the books. Because they have to sign Nino Niederreiter and Vincent Trocek uh, to deals and that uh, aforementioned uh, contract uh, with Tony D'Angelo. Hmm. 
Yeah, you're you're not reading that wrong. Um, no. It's great for Jake Gardner. Yeah. It's probably not great for the Carolina Hurricanes. Jake Gardner can. He can move the puck, but he's prone to the uh, giveaway. Uh, one time is brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. We have catching up with Chapman. Uh, Chapman, do you have that drop from earlier? Uh, maybe you can play that in the uh, in the catching up with Chapman segment. I'll have to go uh, cut it up right now. I thought you went and cut it up. No, when, when did I? When was I going to have time? My we, goodness, <laughs> I'll have it for you on Monday. How are you going to have time now? I don't. I don't know. But I don't know I mean, what's going to happen. I have a break. Happen. I mean, we, we've got like four four and a half minutes, so. I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> Catching up with Chapman's next on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Oh, hi, Darren. So uh, I talked a little bit about the French Open earlier in the week. going to finish up the week with the French Open as American... Coco Goff has an opportunity to do something that I would have thought was a bit more rare, but still somewhat rare. It's only been done 53 times in the Open era, which began in 1968, and that's to win the singles title and the doubles title as she advanced today with her partner, partner Jessica Pagula, who, by the way, there is an NHL tie-in. There is. She is the daughter of the owner of the Buffalo Sabres, Terry and Kim Pagula, so kind of cool there but Coco advanced with Jessica to the finals of the doubles tournament today and she advanced yesterday in the semifinals where she will play Iga Swiatek in the final I don't know if I said that right but Swiatek has won 34 straight matches so uh she's she's going to be a big favorite in that one but uh just some of the names of course the Williams sisters are on there for having won the doubles and the single at the same event and Steffi Groff who of course is married to Las Vegas Andre Agassi and uh they still live here in town. So you, they do. I've seen her, believe it or not, at a store one time. Yeah, Gosher was uh, at uh, a store with uh, with her in front of him as well. Yeah, so uh, they they are locals and they uh, they they love living uh, here. Uh, you know, we gotta we gotta do a new segment, Wallace. Pronunciations by Chapman. Sure. <laughs> like we we had it yesterday. I, I, I think. Yeah, I think um, I think I was the one that originated that idea, but uh, you can take credit for it. No, Fair. no, no. Let's Your point let's is do. Well it. taken. You're the greatest ever. I, I know, but uh, but you don't you don't have to keep saying it. But um, <laughs> I no, I want to. I want to say it all the time. Okay, <laughs> Ryan, is there anything you want to tell me? Mm-hmm. I'm here, aren't I? Chapman's not getting it. No, no, <laughs> that, no. that went right over it his did. head. It did. That went like Chapman. You just went and cut it, and then I well, said you have to play it. I played it once already. So. Well, that's never stopped you before. <laughs> Am I right on that, Wallace? Oh man, oh man, that that backfired on you. you, you it did. He didn't understand the assignment, Chapman. Zero. Yeah. Well. Do you oh, think they've slayed the dragon, and now it's just a matter of uh, of cooking up some some supper i like that one better me too i enjoy that one but but uh, the darren you're the greatest is uh, is pretty solid uh darren, one one your point is well taken you're the greatest ever now he plays it one one no Range. two one two one yes they just scored yes nice two Caco. one for who new york <sighs> Kako. my phone shut down i didn't uh, what did i just say Kako. 
we are going. We'll tell you uh, whether or not the Rangers can keep this up on Monday at the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.